0: And now it's time for beautiful news Cape Talk Some beautiful news You heard it, you voted on it, and now you get to hear it again. The Beautiful News interview. On Monday, we brought you five stories of uh, inspirational people doing extraordinary things. And this week, we are interviewing Kensani de Klerk in our Beautiful News uh, interview. It's been 25 years since South Africa's uh, first democratic election. And legally, we have the freedom to live wherever we choose. But the scars of the Group Areas Act are slow to recover. Cover. And from ten structures in Googlea to mansions in Umplanga, communities are still segregated by class and color. And together with a friend, Kensani De Clerc, founded Matriarch, or Matri architecture, a collective th- rethinking the structures of our city. And the team consists of twelve talented individuals. Uh, from researchers and designers To filmmakers and even a lawyer Together they promote inclusive City development And provide spatial education Since 2018 They've hosted workshops in Switzerland and collaborated With Nairobi Design Week And they have now built A digital network that spans the Globe looking at ways And how we can bring people particularly Lying in outerlying areas And bringing them closer to the city. I think it's particularly a, a very important lesson that we in Cape Town can learn, especially with our legacy of spatial apartheid here, particularly in Cape Town.
1: In South Africa's past, architecture was used as a tool to divide people. I want to bring people together. My name is Kensani de Clark, and I am one of the two founders of Matriarchy. Matriarchy is an intersectional collective dedicated to African city development and spatial education. I felt the need to start this collective because there's a huge need for us to learn how to work together and how to productively and sustainably build together so that spatial segregation becomes a myth. I feel that with more women and people of color joining the industry, there's a better chance for us to create diverse public spaces and cities for us to participate in. My hope for South Africa is that we can create a city where the pavement is the safest space for all of us to occupy and where together we can build.
0: And we're now joined by De It's Kinsani, I just want to know from you, just how much um, is our spatial mobility still determined by apartheid-era spatial planning?
1: So to answer the question very simply, uh, the way in which we occupy our urban cities today in South Africa is premised on the idea of our mobility or lack thereof. And so, for example, our our research looks particularly into uh, women occupying and moving through the city. And as soon as uh, the sun goes down, you have to think of alternative ways of moving to the city. Um and this is obviously something that's linked directly to whether you can afford to move through the city in, in various modes, be it by foot, um, be it by bicycle, be it by public transport, Uber, a private car. Uh, I use this analogy to describe that the infrastructure in which our, our cities were designed in, uh, were, were designed to use the device of the highway and the device of the rail to segregate and separate Groups that we see are still living very separately today, and so to answer, or, or, or uh, yeah, to answer the question very, very simply, uh, class and race uh, are inherently linked to the lack of mobility that urban dwellers have today if they do not have access to private cars when moving to the city.
0: So, how then do architectures, city planners then break down those barriers? I I guess it's not just about uh, building pretty buildings that are eco-friendly and green efficient. It's about building cities and buildings and spaces which are not only inviting but accessible, Uh, you know, to people of all income groups, especially those people who are living in outlying areas away from city centers and business nodes and giving them access to those areas, even considering building uh, city centres and, and and CBDs close to where those people are,
1: completely. Um, the idea of th- okay, it's threefold uh, in my in my mind uh, as an immediate response. The one is uh, relocating or adding metropolitan nodes, and in Cape Town, you see the example of the the CBD being located at the very end of the topography, closest to the ocean and the mountain. Uh, Whereas in Johannesburg, we've got a polycentric situation. And so people who live in Alexandria and and work in Stanton, be it very problematic in itself that that that, uh, segregation still exists, um, they have close proximity and access to their place of work. In Cape Town, uh, to relocate the metropolitan would be a very innovative and very risky, but to an extent, um, a move towards uh, transformation by putting the, the CBD in the centre mm. of the geography, closest to the airport, uh, close to the the Metro South East Beach. Uh, this is one example of many. Uh, to to elaborate on on the uh, the capacity that architecture has to improve mobility and safety is a difficult one in that it's it is inherently linked to politics. Mm. Uh, we look at Prasa and uh, the the inability to 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 implement uh let's say the the train uh, on a, on a provincial scale uh in in some provinces more than others and i mean one one doesn't have complete access to that information and when when that is unlocked we will begin to be able to prototype uh how efficient our public railway transport system would be uh, which is an exciting prospect because I believe that that will happen hmm. at least in the next 10 years. Um, and then the other, let's say, small scale intervention, uh, capacity that architecture has, uh, to, that, or that architecture can, uh, achieve in this short interim space would be, uh, improving public infrastructure and public space. Uh, and that goes as far as or as, as small as improving lighting, improving the curbs on pavements to accommodate for disabled people, to accommodate for the old, for children, mm. uh, improving the routes that are most pedestrianised and finding, most importantly, the loopholes in city planning clauses that allow for incentives that, um, let's say, <clears throat> give property developers and private developers a social impetus to contribute to the maintenance of those interventions.
0: We are speaking to Kensani Declerc. She is our beautiful news interview of the week. She is discussing with us how architecture can change the way we see cities, how they can become more integrated, how particularly people who are on the margins of the society of society can come closer to where we have our CBDs, our business loads, and them also enjoying the benefits of a good in a city. Now, Kinsani, a friend of mine, um, he did mm-hmm. somewhat of a lay study on where the actual c- center of Cape Town is. We call, uh, we call our CBD the CBD, Central Business District. Mm-hmm. But as you rightfully said, it, it's nowhere close to the center of the city. My friend a friend of mine then decided to take it upon himself to find out where exactly is the, is the center of the, of the city. And it somewhat mm-hmm. sort of came about in the area where Langa, Pinelands, and Athlone yeah. Meat. And he says to him, it's also quite symbolic because you have three formally segregated communities that could actually be the very city center, um, of the city that, that we probably need, if we're talking about people, particularly poor people, spending up to uh, a third of their salaries uh, on mm-hmm. transport to travel into uh, into the city, and and many of us often overlook those transport costs alone, of people having to come move into the CBD, and as soon as the sun goes behind Table Mountain or Lion's Head, that's almost their cue to say it's getting too dark here. I need to trek home. Mhm.
1: Mhm. Yes. I mean. <clears throat> This uh, topic speaks particularly to a project that I, that I actually did in, in, in thesis work in my postgraduate city planning um, honours at UCT. And the idea of the, the geographic centre being determined as the CBD is, is one that I suppose is, is a traditional way of looking at the city. And in Cape Town is the route of, of achieving some sort of transformation one would hope. And um, as you've mentioned, it uh, the those three those three areas, uh, particularly uh, Langa, Paarlitcha, Gugule, to uh, uh, Mitchell's Plain, mm. are also in a very valuable position because they are immediately north of an an uncaptured and an unused beachfront. Mm. And the way that it goes in Cape Town is that the closer you are to the mountain, the closer you are to the ocean, uh, the better your views are, and uh real estate uh is immediately higher. And so Nettleton Road, for example, is has the highest property and real estate on the African continent. And so when you unlock that or let if the if the city unlocks that metro southeast post to developments for the immediate adjacent areas in need, one would start to see uh, a shift in property prices that are currently escalating in the CBD and the waterfront and, I suppose, Greenpoint and and so forth. And the way in which these things are are masked and, and, and the let's say, the special planning segregation tactics are, are labeled as completely uh, different to, to what we refer to as apartheid spatial planning. And in this case, it would be conservation-critical biodiversity, which to an extent is quite important, but at the expense of people living in undignified conditions, I would argue can be considered um, a, a situation to be unlocked. And so, yes, I completely agree that it is a, a site of significance and a site of arrival. One arrives at Fontaine at the airport surrounded by this informal settlement and then looks straight to the mountain and goes out of the center and there is opportunity to to add uh, significance to the geographic center as a new cbd
0: Kinsani uh, Declac is our beautiful news interview uh, this evening. She is discussing with us how architecture, how planning uh, can really change the face of a city. Now, uh, Kinsani, tell me about uh, Matri Architecture. You are mm-hmm. 12 individuals, everyone from researchers, designers, filmmakers, even a lawyer. Tell me about this collective and, and how it's trying to forward this goal of creating inclusive cities.
1: So matriarchy, or at least our list pitch line, <laughs> matriarchy. I, I've, I've been struggling
0: with how to how to, what, what is the correct uh, uh, pronunciation because it's it's uh, matri there's architecture and there's brackets there. So my apologies, matriarchy then. No
1: problem. It's the shortened version. I mean, the full name is matri architecture. Um, and we're essentially an intersectional collective uh, because we come from completely different backgrounds and, and locations, uh, and we aim to empower, very simply, African women uh, as a network, uh, the key word dedicated to African spatial development and, and education. And we came together very uh, luckily, fortunately, uh, on our uh, path across the, across the globe and the, the co-director and co-founder of this collective, uh, Solonjin Banepo, she's half Swiss and half Nigerian, shares the same ethos, and that is that applied research is quintessential in the architectural industry. And what that means is that from the point at which students decide to study architecture, they should be engaging in the local context that requires their research capital uh, to move iteratively between the drawing board, uh, which is the conventional way of thinking and learning, and applying that to particularly areas in need, which we are certainly considered to be. And so we we see this happening a lot in Switzerland, where we kind of got captivated and, and um, started thinking about extending the, the collective, which eventually became 12 of us uh, last year. And everyone in the collective... Uh, goes by the the method or the methodology that we use every creative skill that we can to collaborate in a pluridisciplinary fashion uh, to rethink ways of, number one, archiving African spatial knowledge such that it's accessible to the layman, to the architectural professional, and to the, 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 the market, to e- economists and to politicians, because without that, Uh, gates open there is no possible way that we can uh, have an impact in which we want and that is a transformation uh, for uh, improved dignified conditions and the second thing is that we would like to uh, in the future get our hands a little bit dirty in construction by uh, building and and that would mean building across the african continent and we've actually recently uh Started our first design project um, in in the south of France, which we've been very lucky to to have been approached with. And so, we we use our research tactics as a means of contributing to a dynamic uh, African archive of spatial information.
0: And that's Ken Signy De there with our beautiful news interview of the week.